and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Chris Grant, I'm so excited to interview you on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Hi, you're welcome, Jules, and it's so lovely to meet you. It's lovely to have you here. So let's start off with telling everybody what it is that you do. Do you want to tell everyone what your job is and why you're doing it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the CEO of a company called ASBL Group. Yep. And we have three arms of our business. So we have a recruitment arm, Mm -hmm. a management consulting arm, and also a leadership training arm. Amazing. Um, so what is it that um, ASPL Group is doing that's maybe a little bit different to everyone else out there? I think it depends on the service line, but uh, for recruitment, so I've come from large-scale recruitment, so I ran a large-scale Asia-Pacific company before I joined. Wow. Um, so we were really passionate about being a little bit different with recruitment. And so we started, when I initially joined, obviously one of my passions is equality. Mm-hmm. So we've spent a Yay. lot of time, <laughs> spent a lot of time um, introducing that and really highlighting obviously some of the journeys and amplifying some of the challenges um, and really introducing flexibility. So I have a complete, this is in prior to COVID. So right. lots of uh, flexibility with our people across the country and males and females, but, um, you know, even with our grads, some of them are, are part-time and even with some of our consultants, if they're working moms, um, we really have been able to really um, obviously embrace flexibility. Kind of gone to the next level in the last six months with it because of obviously some of the labour challenges <laughs> yes. with our borders being shut. Yeah. Um, and uh, really introducing to the ecosystem, well, how do we look at, other parts of diversity and inclusion, not just um, equality. So done a lot of work with uh, veterans, for example. We do a lot of work with um, public, like government. How do you actually bring veterans in? How do you embrace um, some of their mental health challenges? But more importantly, bring them in to the ecosystem, which has been really rewarding and I've learned a lot myself. Um, and we've done a lot on the um, Indigenous front too, which is obviously an important week this week. Oh, wonderful. Um, I'll I tell you there's a topic I would love to ask you and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. But oh, no, go for it. I really want to talk about ageism because I see it all around me. Yeah, now, that's I'm, another one. <laughs> I'm 55. I know so many men and women in my own personal network who have been held very senior roles and then have been made redundant or have yeah. left for whatever reason and they can't find another job and they just really struggle. I don't know whether it's with the algorithms, which is what we all kind of laugh about, but to be even able to be interviewed or to get in front of anyone. What's what's going on in the industry around that, do you think? Well, I, th- I think that now we have to embrace it as part of yeah. our IND. So that's part of our strategy too. So Fantastic. Is um, the aging workforce because, as you said, what happened, though, do you think? Because when I was younger, 
all the people who had been around in business for 20, I mean, I know that for one thing, people stuck around in their jobs a lot longer. But we definitely had a lot more older people and really revered, I guess, their experience and what they knew. So it's interesting to me that it's kind of, or it seems to have shifted over the last sort of 10 or 15 years. I think what's happened, yeah, yeah, is that the recruitment market is quite commoditized now. Right. Right? What do you mean by that? So it's like buying a product rather than buying actually a person. I got the way I like to say buy, but you know what? I know um, what you mean. I can see like having an integrated workforce and then exactly what you said, there's a lot of data analytics that sit behind it now. So they kind of just weave through it and then obviously they don't get an opportunity. Um, but that the game has changed again because of Good. the labour market. So that is like everyone should be looking at, well, what can I bring in? Um, And I think for the first time that government is probably a little bit more behind with the flexible and some of these strategies because there's such a push to get everyone back into the cities. Yeah, I just, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, they are. So they kind of got this two pronged approach where they go, well, we want to introduce flexible. Um, work practices, however we want everyone back in the office. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for somebody that I guess from my point of view have been working from home for nearly 10 years, it didn't <laughs> really make a big difference, but I'm thrilled by the fact that um, people now are able to communicate so much more easily regardless of where they are. You don't have to sort of fly into state to have an, a, a, a face-to-face with someone, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. I do a lot of travel. <laughs> um, so I, well, no, I still have. I think I'm up to my twelfth trip this year. So, oh wow! So I'm you're not still, in Melbourne, I'm guessing. I am in Melbourne. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so That's I had fantastic. to change last uh, last week because I um, fly to Canberra quite regularly. So I had to change it. But most of the time, especially with training, our training yeah. arm. Um, I still prefer face-to-face. So tell me a little bit about your training arm. What what exactly do you do? So uh, when I first started ASPL Group, we had a relationship with Griffith University where we were looking at um, how do we look at leadership Mm-hmm. and it was actually around technical folk, but I kind of elaborated a bit more just with my passion. How do you look at leadership and the days of which I kind of grew up with, even though I went to Melbourne Business School, even that was five days, days of going away for one-day training, I was like looking at my own workforce, I was like this is just not working. Like right. they're coming back to the office and doing exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So we started developing a neuroscience approach to leadership, basically. Ooh, right. And it's all around, well, how do you shift the behaviours of leaders so that they can obviously go back kind of with adaptive leadership, but more importantly, have some self-success, so not just relying on their leaders or their execs, but more so implementing practices where they are shifting behaviours as you're teaching them. Right. Um, which is really awesome. Like it's so, yeah. we've done so well. So um, even though the likes of defence, which has been very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really enjoy it. It's really, really rewarding. And some of our um, leadership training is like anywhere from eight weeks to 16 weeks, about two hours a day. Ah, so, that's good. So it actually gives people that consistency over a period yeah, of time to change. Too, yeah, sorry, I should say two hours a week. So, yeah, absolutely. And they have 
um, we use a bit of the uh, whole Brené Brown being vulnerable with each other and it's just oh, yeah, brilliant right. to see everyone kind of just, you know, changing their mindsets, really looking at their own, you know, behaviours and thinking about, you know, what can I do to be, you know, the best version of self. Fantastic. Okay. Well, look, Chris, this is really all about you. So I'm going to get you to take me back to when you were a girl. I don't mind whether it's primary school or high school and tell me what you thought of school, what kind of a family you grew up in and whether you finished school and what happened after that. But let's just start with your family and your life when you were younger and role models and things like that. So I was actually, uh, I went to an all-girls school and I was pretty sheltered earlier right. on. And then I was one of the first um, lot of females that actually went into an all-boys school. Oh, I think wow. it was like, I've no, always I wondered not. what it would be like to be the first it one was in horrendous. that year. Oh, no, I think was I, was in, I was the second intake, the second year. Oh, um, God. And so you imagine the teaching styles that geared towards boys yeah, and what we were offered was um, obviously very, very male-centric. Oh, that's um, really I, fascinating. So they brought yeah. the girls in but they didn't change the curriculum or look at nope. how our teaching styles, nothing. No. Um, so I, I think that's probably where I start. I, mean, I don't even know how I started, but I was like really like this is just hopeless. Yeah. And so I started that equality journey quite young, to be honest. <laughs> Um, well, when it's pushed at you like that, and were you were there very many girls who started that year? No, were you, right. It was like so. maybe I'm thinking out of the 300 students, maybe 20. Oh my god! So the balance was all out of whack. So I obviously had even starting from quite young, um, quite a passion for um, diversity and inclusion or quality yeah. in the, in that case, um, and even after. Um, University, I actually went into BHP as a grad in accounting, oh believe it or which is just yeah, like, a sucker for punishment, weren't you? I know, <laughs> and I think there was about two female execs at that stage. Wow. So, and, you know, that whole push um, for the glass ceiling was probably for the first, you know, 10, 15 years of my career. To right. be honest, like it was, I was the first female exec in a lot of um, the organisations. It was highly political. And, look, I learned a lot, but it was definitely challenging. But I mean, fantastic in some ways that you're now in this role that you can guide other people. Oh, because, and I do. Yeah, because it, it does sound horrendous. So I want to take. It. So let's go back then. You did. It was your intake year seven? So you did the full six years in this boys' no, school. No, I didn't. I went back to an all girls school two years later. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is much better, like, but, again, I think our whole education system has got a long it, way to go. It sure. I mean, it's still so 19, I, it's based on the 1900s still, isn't it? Not yes. a modern so, internet world of equality um, as well. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think it needs a whole reshaping. So um, did, did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I did. And they were a little bit older. So right. my closest probably role model was my dad. Like he was just incredibly supportive. And oh, I think that's how, you know, I was very blessed. And um, unfortunately he passed probably about 10 years ago, but I was blessed the whole time I was obviously yeah. having that relationship. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like, and I had my kids quite young too, so I feel like 
I kind of got thrown into it all. <laughs> right. So, so I'm, I'm really interested though in going into this in a bit more detail because to leave a school, to leave school and then go into a BHP. Now, there's one woman I interviewed. She didn't name the company, but I think it might have been that one. And the bullying was horrendous, like absolutely horrendous. Yes. 36 complaints to head office and nothing done. She eventually left and the guy is still there. Um, was it very like that? And, and what yes. was your role and what did you do? So I was a, yeah, I was a grad, so I was assistant accountant. Right. Um, and back in those days, we it was nothing unusual about doing a twenty four hour shift at oh, month end. So what? we're doing the first SAP rollout. And yes, I was completely bullied by my leader at that stage. And I had uh. like, I well, there wasn't any avenue at that stage to really complain. I think that it wasn't just myself. So there was, you know, HR kind of was missing. And you kind yeah. of, like, you were very, very resilient. You had to actually become very resilient, to be honest. And so um, it, it must have been so hard because when it's your first job, you really do want to make that job work and you want mm. to get this great thing. So when you're being constantly blocked, um, yeah, it, it was must very, be very It was, so like, mentally draining. And, I, and I'm a high chief, so I was just trying harder and harder, but it didn't work. <laughs> and were there any um, women in the company that would, you know, the, as no. role models, as mentors, nothing. No, no. And honestly, there weren't a lot, unfortunately. And even as I, um, you know, went more se- into more senior roles, like they, I, most of my mentors were men. Right. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah, it is quite uh, interesting. And, you know, a lot of, um, it, obviously, when we um, speak or interview even our clients, mm. they say that females say, you know, that, a lot of the challenges that they've had is with other females not supporting them. Yes, I hear that because yes. obviously I've been very much in the entrepreneur small business world and mm. I'm interviewing these women who are CEOs and, and I hear that continually That because one of the questions I'm going to ask you, we'll probably answer it now, is have there been any women that helped you? And what I hear is women saying, when I was in business, never. Like I just very rarely did I hear stories of great women that have been championing other women but they said as soon as they jumped out and started their own business and got into sort of the small business community, mm. the women are really supportive. And I guess that's led me to a particularly uninformed opinion, though, of that maybe the whole culture in a lot of corporates is competitive because that is a, a masculine thing to try and get people to compete to bring out the best rather than to nurture them. And um, and, and I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. I think that there's also a level of what happens between girls in high school that continues into the workplace, right. to be honest. Right. So I I don't always think that it's a male, like it's Culture. about. The, yeah. I it's think more that about some, the individuals. Mm, I think sometimes that you get groups of females and unfortunately um, they can be, it'll be blunt, bitchy. Yeah. <laughs> so and they start I mean, egging each other on, I guess. Yeah. Um, whereas, and look, I've seen it in our own workplace and I'm right. the first one to call it out. Like you've got yeah. to call it out straight away. Um, because there is not enough done to support young females coming do you, out. Do you think that the women that are like that realize that they're being like that? Or do you think that it's kind of unconscious that they, they're just unconscious the behavior? Role, yeah. Well, sort yeah. Of following the role models of their bosses as they were coming up. I think you, if you think about what happens is that. Um, a lot of the times you're in a career that you may not be completely happy in. Right. 
And good point. Right. And yeah. then so your level your level of not really realizing why you're unhappy or not. So you start taking it out on work. And then that's if there's a group of you doing that together, then it becomes quite normal. That is what you how you connect with each other. Yeah, right. By that, you know, that venting and moaning and and that's males as well, not just females. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I love teaching that, well, success is actually within your own reach rather that's, than that's waiting for all the time. Like, I feel like we all, like I remember when I first went to therapy after my um, marriage broke up when the kids were young and I was like, I kind of expect to go to therapy and like it's like having a neurofilm. Wow, I'm completely <laughs> transformed. <laughs> no, you're going to do the hard work to go through it. Yeah. And, you know, to do the hard work, is what we all don't like. That's the unsexy part of anything, right? Yeah, and you kind true. of get sick of yourself if you want to learn more and more about yourself. But the more that you do it, the more that your success will come. Yeah, yeah, very true. That's actually very wise words. So, okay, so now we were at BHP with a hideous job. What happened after that? Where did you go I after actually, that? Um, I actually started working for, I'm trying to actually remember, it's so terrible, is it? I actually started because I then um, obviously had Amy, my first daughter. Right. Um, so I had her while I was there. So I went on mat leave and then I came back. And This is I at was, BHP, so they would have yeah. loved having a woman go on maternity oh, leave, I bet. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, they weren't that happy about that, but you, know, you must they had have no been choice. Dreading going back, though, were you? At the end of the, did, how long did you take off? I took about oh six months. Okay, and then so were I, you just... I went back flexible, so I went right. Back. Um, and then I left. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> with an idea, how um, can I get out of here? Yeah, so I then joined a smaller company, but and there I had a great female role model. Oh, she great. was from the US, so. They were consultants, and that's how I kind of got my exposure to management consulting. Right. So they worked for Dialogue, and they had gone out and created their own company, and it was a great experience, and they were very, very supportive. Obviously, you know, she was a little older than me, but she had kids at a similar age. And, um, Just and, one of know, those I, nurturing women who's about lifting women yeah, up, I guess. But, but I learned so much, like, about, um, you know, stakeholder engagement, how to do facilitation, you know, all those things that – just the more you do it, the better your art becomes. So, yeah, I was really, really blessed um, <laughs> to have. I was thinking, yeah, she was a great role model. Um, Actually, while, then, we're at, while we're at it, do you want to give us her name so that we – I always like to name women who've been fabulous just because they really get those shout-outs. Car- her name is Carol. Great. And she – I'm not sure where she's working now, to be honest, but she was working at Dialogue. But, yeah, yeah. she was She, was she may have retired by now. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Okay. But she was, she was really good. Sorry. Okay. So you worked distracted. with them for a while? Yeah, I worked with them for a while. And then I um, had Adam, right. <laughs> my son. And I was like, okay, well, what do I want to do? And because they actually sold a component of their business back into another large corp, and I was like, this is a really good opportunity. And then I started, like, getting into leadership roles, like more senior roles. Um, is this, and I this is still with that company or had you gone to another company by then? I went to another company by okay. then. So I say the next two roles were about four years each, which was kind of nice with the kids, but still really problematic because, believe me, there was no female execs. Right. Because <laughs> it was like they were two, both IT companies. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So even yeah. when I even <laughs> when I ended up at Trope before I joined here, there was no female execs. <laughs> that is just extraordinary to me, anyway. Just from the outside, it's. I mean, you hear about it, but I I don't know anyone who's lived it in quite the way you have. That's yeah. amazing. So, and and in the middle of all of this, you went through a messy breakup by the sounds of it. Yeah. And how young were you at this stage? So I was only twenty when I were. By the time that I was going through all that, I'm about 26, 27. Wow, right. Which but I was is, really determined, though. I don't think anyone ends up in a role like you are now if they're not very determined, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, kind of, I kind of was like I was unhappy and I was like I'm not doing this for the rest of my life, even yeah. though it was tough. Um, and hard on the, but the kids were quite young. Yeah. Um, and I was, and you know, honestly, my biggest fear was giving Amy, my daughter, like, oh, you know, if I stay in an unhappy marriage, similar to probably yes. to my parents, I'm going to show her that this is okay. Yeah. So that was probably my greatest fear of being good. I think that's one of her. the motivations for a lot of us to just go, you know, this is not actually great for the kids to see. Yeah. People that don't particularly like each other anymore. Yes. Still living in the same house. I, I don't think that's great. So, um, okay, so from those roles, you, I think you said Drake. Was that the next yeah. big one? That was the next big one. And I was there for seven years, had some incredible experience. Um, however, Tell me about them. Tell me about some of them. Oh, <laughs> well, I had an exceptionally large workforce and I was looking after Asia Pacific and I had wow. a, had some incredible mentors, but they were uh, 70 or 80 years old, so they were quite mature men. Right. Um, so I kind of really got into I was on boards and I was doing like a round-the-clock job because I was wow. reporting into the US. Um, and I learned – a lot about what not to do and what to do from a leadership perspective. It took me about 18 months to get my leadership team in place. Right. Um, but it was a very, very demanding job. Like I like I looked at like one of those executives that was burnt out the whole time as I was trying right. to manage like work-life balance. And, and um, what about your bosses at that stage? They must have understood the ridiculous yeah. Well, yeah. workload that you had. Was there any comment about what can we do to help you? No. Really? No, you have to do it all when, yourself? Yes. Yes, definitely. There was no support like there is now. Wow. Yeah. It's just extraordinary to think of putting a young woman in that kind of a role, expecting her with young kids to do <laughs> almost a 24-hour job and not be asking, are you all right? Yeah, you know, it just wasn't a thing back then. Right. <laughs> to be honest. Okay. Like I had, yeah, like I had some really like obviously some great mentors that would check in with me, but my actual direct boss, no, he wasn't one to – he didn't have high EQ to kind of ask those types of questions. Right. Okay, so seven years there, you've learned loads. How, how big was the workforce when you say you're managing a big workforce? Go on, blow me 50, away. It was 50,000, <laughs> so oh it was a lot. Oh, my God. How do you even manage those, that kind of number of people? Do you know what? I feel like um, that I had a great legal counsel. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had so many HR issues that was right. coming out of our ears. But um, in fairness, I had a really good leadership team after the years and – I would probably would have kept going. However, <laughs> my EA at the time, who had been there like 35 years, she was incredible. She wow, was like. just knew everything. She knew everything. But she also said to me one day, 
And I was really passionate about trying new things and bringing change management. However, my boss wasn't, it was very set in his ways. And she goes, after one of our endless um, board meetings, she's like, Chris, I want to show you the notes from, because everything was note taken. Yeah, yeah. Um, notes from 30 years ago and everything you raised today was raised back then. Oh my God. I know. So I was like, that was kind of my turning point. Yeah. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I felt like I'd been in a toxic relationship with, instead of at home, at work. Like I, because I was trying so hard to change. Um, And I was like, I can't, like, I don't want to report into any more 70 year old men (laughs) that I can't. Like that I can't bring in, but the change that I really want to bring in, and I'm kind of just doing it pseudo without a lot of support. And so presumably, that kind of, presumably by sorry. then with, with that amount of experience with people, you had an idea of what you thought yeah. would make the difference if you did if you were able to make the changes that you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so when I left, um, I actually got offered a role at Deco. And I was like, this is going to be more of the same. Similar setup, similar board structure, all men. Right. And I got offered to join this. And I've been really passionate about management consulting after the years that they spent, <laughs> um, you know, servicing whichever company. And I was like, you know, there's such a, again, such a lack of female representation, yeah. but more so a lack of probably adding additional value. Um, so yeah, look, I was really blessed. I got, this just happened to come around and I was like, this is awesome. Like I can, everything I've learned, I can start putting into practice, especially from a culture and bringing around, as I said, some of those flexible options to our workforce and really, um, you know, teaching and learning, um, from everything I've done over the years. So yeah, it was, it's been brilliant. So there were, there's no sort of 70 and 80-year-old men there saying, no, 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 you do it our way there or the highway. There is no politics. There's no politics. Wow. Like I was, yeah, I've created, you know, it purposely so that we we don't have any politics. Like, don't, like people are people. We've still, oh, yeah. we've still had challenges. <laughs> However, I don't, like, I feel like you've got to always watch your energy um, as an exec or even as, yeah. or anyone needs to watch their energy. And I felt like, if you're in a situation that you can't change um, for whatever reason, you kind of kind of weigh it up and go, is this even worth my energy? Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? And if I can't change it, like, you kind of get Stockholm Syndrome sometimes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, you want to change it. That was, And I've been always wanting to change the world. So I was like after seven years, I was like, what am I doing? This is insane. I'm never going to like – yeah, they can't change by the time they're 70 or 80. They're never <laughs> going to change. No. So tell me what it's like when you start this new business with this passion to have that change happen. Well, well it was a completely different because it was an yeah, established was, a business, but yeah. a management consulting business. So um, they had some presence, but nothing compared to where I've come from, which is large corps with a huge brand. Um, so that was kind of a readjustment for me because like, I'm used to having like everything set in place. Yeah, right. Um, but the upside was that I didn't have any of the, you know, the, the probably the toxic political slant. Um, and I kind of, as, as hard as it was to really think of some, um, you know, different branding ideas, 
I just was so passionate about what we did. And then we started to do some really interesting work with government and Telstra was probably our largest customers back then. Right. And kind of really evolved. And one thing that I've learned from uh, working for U.S. companies, it's not kind of like Australia. Like even as a C-level, you have to be getting out in front of your customers. So I still, like I do that all day long still. Because um, oh, that was, you know, that's something I think is completely different in Australia. Like a lot of, I go, they're kind of like <clears throat> pampered pooches. <laughs> um, like, you know, they don't come out of their little towers. Um, whereas I was the complete opposite. Like I'm so interested in people and I'm so interested in, you know, how um, you can get boards or, you know, leadership teams to kind of be more cohesive and collaborative that I still do it every day um, now. Like I love it. So, and that's why I travel so much. (laughs) So I'm a unique CEO that I do uh, run around the country and, you know, talk to people and and do a lot, especially government. That is so refreshing to hear. I just think it's so important that you don't live in your ivory tower and that you do get yeah. down to the coal face and see people. So you've been there at ASPL for a while and I know you've gone from managing director to CEO. Can you talk to me about, and, and I don't know because I don't often um, talk to women who are in corporate, so I'm interested to know, have there been some pivotal moments that you have or sort of moments where at the time this is what I ask of entrepreneurs, so you can tell me if it's not relevant, but moments where at the time you think, what are we going to do? Like, oh, my goodness, this could be a disaster. Oh, yeah. But you look back and you go, well, actually what it made us do was make this change and it's for the better. Have there been yeah. anything like that? Yeah, look, there's always, there has been moments. I remember when we first were delivering leadership training, you know, I was, I'm so huge on engagement and recognising or even with some of the people that I've had working for me, recognising sometimes that you have to let things go, that you can't change people. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? So um, that's probably been a pivotal moment. Like there's been changes with, you know, our prime ministers that have, we've had impact to the business, right? Um, both positive and negative, that I've kind of gone, oh, you know, are we doing the right thing? And really sometimes um, looking at the market and going, you know, how do we compete with, you know, McKinsey's and Deloitte's and KPMG on a daily basis and how can we be our store authentic and offer something um, that's really different to the market? So, you know, I mean, it's a highly competitive market that we play in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's been obviously moments of doubt and just kind of um, ensuring that, you know, you've got the energy. I've been like some of the pe- the women that work for me, um, since majority of here, I'm not being sexist one way or the other, but um, some of them have been with me for like six years, so they've really grown as well. Um, and you just have to keep, like, I always try and go, how do we get to the next level? Like how, yeah, great. you know, what what do I need to do? How do we adapt and shift and, and you know, take on if we have to, um, you know, feedback. Um, in a positive way. Yeah. And, you know, Jules, to be honest, I am really blessed. I surround myself with positive people all day long. Oh, well done. Well done. So I mean, that, I do. that makes a huge difference. Oh, it's, it's but talk to huge. me about, about the pandemic and the positives that are, I mean, I know that there are lots of negatives, but what are the positives that you think have come out of it for you and your industry and your company even? 
I think um, having the ability to be, as I said, have bring in flexibility into the workplace. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's an indigenous veterans, as you said, an aging workforce, like open your eyes to the possibilities, the, the talent that is out there. Just don't, you know, we all have unconscious bias and really look at how do I actually make effective, um, you know, how can I bring about IND that's really effective now? Obviously, a lot of innovation came out of the pandemic. Yeah, well, I guess that's sort of what I'm interested in. And and also, if you are going to make that shift to make it more equal and, and have First Nation people and disabled yes. people is another one. I had, I, I've got a woman in my group who has informed me and I had no idea that 20% of the population is disabled or identifies yeah. as disabled. It's just such a, a huge thing. So how do you? Mental, yeah, mental health uh, is the other one. Yeah, so how has the pandemic made that possible for you or, or has it just made you more aware of it? Or I think it's just like we've always been passionate about it, but from a client perspective. Ah, um, it's I coming think, from the clients now, is it? Yeah, I think that they have to. Well, we do a lot of strategic workforce planning, so these are yep. the elements that you have to think about now. Okay. Like, you know, we've shut the borders, our skill sets because of our education system, you know, aren't probably uplifting as quickly as we want. Um, so what do we do about it? Well, then we look at, well, what else can you do? And more importantly, how do you maximise your actual workforce now? Like bring in, you know, uplifting back into or investment back into training and development, which yep. I don't think we've done enough of, and looking at what can I do to bring in, you know, all different types of dynamics rather than just expecting the same because it won't happen. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, um, we've kind of done a bit of your career and one of the next questions is, are there any women that have helped you along the way that you'd like to do a shout out for other than that woman? Have there been any others? No, I try to think about really whether they have and it's terrible to say that there really hasn't been. It's Well, it's fascinating <laughs> for me to, clients to hear. now, yeah. right, that I've got a really good relationship with. But over, like, especially when I was younger with two young kids, no, I – and it was completely male-dominated. Right. What about any blokes that have been fantastic about helping you rise up some, to where you are now? I've had some great um, male role models. So I've had um, Clive Roger. He was um, – we we acquired a company when I was working for Drake. So he was, yeah. again, a more mature gentleman, but he was a psychologist. So I learned so much from him. Okay. Um, and, over, like, I just so many different, you know – I'm trying to think of well, all the that you are. You do have the men that have been supporting you, considering that it, it's um, sad to me that there aren't, you know, that you're not going, oh, well, you know, there are so many women. Where do I start? Rather than I can think of one. That just, it, it's an indication, isn't it, of um, how business has been in the past anyway, hopefully not how it will be moving forward. Um, so now that you have got this absolutely ginormous job, um, how do you juggle work and life these days? Because I would have thought you'd be a classic candidate for burnout. And I have to say, <laughs> having interviewed probably 150 women in the last year, that just keeps on coming up that these women push themselves so far that they make themselves sick, you know, and it completely changes their career. So how have you avoided that? And how do you still, you know? <laughs> well, I didn't avoid it when I was younger. <laughs> oh, um, did, you, did, you have a, a, did you have a burnout moment when you were younger? Oh, absolutely. I think I got, um, I was hospitalised twice when I was managing drove. Oh, my gosh, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and no, I wasn't. So it was only had, I matured. Had you, 
and you well, said twice. I'm, so it says yeah. to me you didn't learn for this from the first time. No, like these I days was, do you take it much more easy on yourself? I just have applied different principles. So I kind of treat myself after leaving there with like an athlete. So I do do long hours at times. Like we've had a really, really busy last six months. I've had to do six six days a week and I've had right. to, um, you know, do a lot of flying. Um, however, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I gave up alcohol for six months. I do Pilates every day and I've done that for years now. I eat do you really take holidays? Well. Yes, and <laughs> I have a beautiful um, family here in Melbourne and I spend a lot of time with them in my um, caboodle apple. Um, but Great name. I, <laughs> they're always living <laughs> Everyone goes, Chris, is there, is there a reason why everyone in your household is going, hey, okay, I know I'm is a type person or not. <laughs> but everyone does ask me that. Just um, for do, Yeah, and I'm really about, like I'm not, I'm all about outcome now. So I have over well, the years. that's refreshing to hear. I love yeah, people that are based on outcome because that's yeah, really like, what you want that's in the life, end. life, yeah. So, you know, what if I want to finish early because I'm not practicing consciousness, which is what I've learned over the years, then I will. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not there to waste time. So yeah. it's all about effectiveness for myself. Um, and I pr- still do it every day. So I journal every day. I practice neuroscience every day. I get up every morning at 5 a.m. and, you know, for the first hour, um, it's all around self-care and then I'm off to Pilates and then bam, I'm into the day. So you have to work out, even when I teach, it's like you have to work out your own energy cycles, especially in a C-level role. Um, And I also have to protect my energy too. So if I think, for example, that a situation or anyone's being too negative, then I'll call it out straight away. Like we've all got to have boundaries. And I think the hardest thing for anyone, to be honest, Jules, is learning about themselves. Like, Yes. What does, like, and I've spent years, even though, I, as I said, it can be quite dull, but I've spent years going, okay, well, how do I operate at my best? Yeah. So that's kind of why I've still got quite high energy. <laughs> yeah, well done. Yes, you're still smiling and you look very healthy and happy. Okay, um, we're near towards the end of the interview now, but I have a question that a journalist suggested I ask of people and I love asking it, oh, which is, here we go, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> it's a good one, I'm, isn't it? <laughs> it is a good one. I am an avid reader, so... I have lost four Kindles over the last year. No. no maybe 18 months because I leave everything at airports because I'm multitasking when I'm traveling. Um, but I am, I always feel like I'm kind of like a, I love the intelligence community. Um, so, <laughs> when you say that, you mean spy movies, yes. spy books. Okay. Yeah, but they're also our clients too. So I kind of go in another life. I kind of feel like I could be <laughs> like a detective or a, you know, intelligence operator. But, yeah, I do love it. And I'm, um, as I said, an avid reader. Like I can be – and I've got to, like, be – I've got to discipline myself that I don't wake up in the middle of the night and start reading. So yeah, I have to quirk say, I'm with you. Mine. And and it's very, very hard when there's good books not to settle down and read them. But I guess, you know, 
life, business, family, kids, all that sort of thing sort of gets yeah. in the way. And I have this dream when I retire that <laughs> I'll have this whole library room and I'll just be able to read for hours oh, every day. I have a library room in the house. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my absolute dream. Okay, last question, and it's nothing really to do with business other than um, – because, well, look, I'm obsessed with my phone. I love my phone and I love apps. So I always like to ask anyone if they have any good apps for business or any good apps for, for fun that you play with. Do you use your phone at all for work? Oh, I use my phone constantly for work. Okay. But outside, <laughs> so, so I'm not interested in, in work? email, internet and banking. I'm going to yeah. I mean, I'm going to take that as a given. What apps have you got that you love for work? Um, I now track my sleep. Oh. There you go. So you make sure that I, like, because I only probably need about six hours just to see how I'm going. You'll laugh because my app, uh, Apple, my Cavoodle, is just because yeah. I'm working from home today. Um, you can hear her snoring sometimes because <laughs> she's in my bed. Like, oh, my God. Anyway, she's so adorable. Um, but I do like to track it to make sure I'm at my most effectiveness, and Pilates is probably the other one. So, um, so what are the names of the apps? What do you use for the sleep So tracking? it's just a, it's a sleep app that's part of um, Apple. Apple. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. And it really helps you think about, obviously, you know, obviously tracking yourself. How, your how, does, it, no, how does it, are you wearing a phone? Uh, I mean, uh, no, you uh, just put the, the microphone on. Oh, so you just overnight. turn it on at night and you just turn it on. Oh, that's my it. God. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, but. you should. It's so interesting. Um, and it shows your whole, you know, patterns because sleep is so important. Yeah. And I'm not the best sleeper. So I try and track that to try and optimize my sleep. Right. Um, what else do I use? And Pilates is an app I use all the time because I'm also doing okay. Pilates. And then everywhere. because you do lots of flights and things, do you do Candy Crush, Words with Friends, any of the other sort of um, silly ones? Do you have a favourite game that you play? I Sometimes my son got me onto chess, so sometimes I play chess just oh, for Brian. That's a good idea. Yeah, just to like kind of um, – but I don't get a lot of time to do it, to be honest. It's no, only kind no, of quite relaxing. Um, but I'll go, oh, yeah, because I'm not a huge – like I try and watch a good series, but I'm not a huge – I don't watch TV, so – Much. Well, um, I think you're a reader or you're a TV watcher, and I know – Yes. If the TV's on, I'd rather everyone else in the family can watch it while I'm curled up reading my book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit like that. Sometimes a good series is good. Yeah, yeah, and and to go back to murder mysteries, that that's where my my heart is with all those series oh, as same. well. <laughs> very, and then I spoke to someone the other day, um, which is an interview for this series, and this woman, you won't believe it, has survived a plane crash like into the ocean at wow. two hundred k's an hour, and part of her PTSD and recovery yeah. was that she said that. They said to her, only watch things on television that are going to lift you up, not down. So she said, I only watch comedies for like three years. <laughs> and I thought, I wonder oh, the flip yeah. side of it, if you're always watching murder mysteries, if that means yes, that, I know, that's right. <laughs> that, that we should be avoiding them really. Chris, you have just been such a delight to chat to. What is the best way for anyone to get hold of you or to go to ASPL to yeah, see if you thanks, can help them Jules. find work or raise yeah. them up to the next level of leadership? Um, obviously, our website is www.aspl.net.au okay. and anyone can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's Fantastic. probably where we're most active. But, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been yeah, great. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Jules. You take care. And you. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, 
go to she'sTheBoss.com.au. 